0: This is Frazzly with Frazzlecast. Do you want to talk about World of Warcraft every week with different people and a little bit of geeky stuff? Check out Frazzlecast.com and on all of your favorite podcast players. And remember, keep it geek.
1: That theme song means it is once again time to promo the Geek Wolf Pack podcast. I'm your Papa Wolf, Nick Kelly.
0: And I'm your mama wolf, Stacia Kelly.
1: And I'm Thermal Wolf, Brennan Kelly. Here on the podcast, we're just a couple of generations geeking out and sharing what we think we think. We'll share the latest nerd news and sci fi happenings. Looking for life hacks? I'll tell you if there's an app for that. And I'll give you the latest from a gamer's point of view. Plus, every episode includes some of what we like to call ADHD D&D. I'm a healer, and I killed a dragon. So join us here at the Geek Wolf Pack podcast. Join us on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, or wherever you find your podcasts, or simply at geekwolfpackpodcast.com. And as always, geek out. My name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Welcome to episode 128 of Geekitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today I am joined by a very tired Ray Vargas. How you doing, Ray?
0: <laughs> well, don't give it away like that. <laughs> I'm doing good, Joe. How you doing? I know you're you're not exactly the most well-rested uh, guy I know yourself.
1: No, no. Ah. I think Goodness! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ollie, on the other hand, is full of energy and clearly making his bid for a guest appearance on uh, on this episode of Geekitude.
1: Yeah, sorry about that.
0: <laughs> Special guest. Is,
1: I, I am. Um, I am. On my own tonight, usually my husband, who is uh, at work this evening, is taking care of the dog while we're podcasting, and so I have a jar of treats that I'm going to basically funnel to the child.
0: (laughs) He knows what he's doing. He does know what he's doing.
1: This is is very strategic on his part.
0: (laughs) Totally. He's like, I've got you right where I want you tonight. (laughs) Cool, man. Uh, Well, we're both we're both in the thick of things now (laughs) our fall semester. Yes, we really
1: are. We really like the fall semester has finally kind of just smacked us upside the head.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting ready. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much at the start of all my fall travel. So, um, you know, I'm going to be traveling all over the South and all over LA County over the next several weeks. You're, um, casting a show, right? Like in addition to, all of your um, English teacher duties, you're, you're also, and of course your podcasting duties, uh, you're also in the midst of casting a show.
1: Yeah, well, I casted one show last week. I'm in the middle of casting a show right now, and then I will be casting a third show next week because Lord. I don't like myself very much.
0: <laughs> this is like Glee Run Amok. What's going on? It, it Three really shows. Is.
1: Well, here's the, the, the problem was, is that we, we, we've started doing musicals, which we do in February. And so we're doing that and it's, um, we didn't have the turnout that we were hoping to this, this week. Um, I have another round of auditions tomorrow, so hopefully we'll get a lot of our, our mainstays, but, um, it's, you know, that, that's fine. That's just kind of the, the big show that we're going to do the the reason why I've got the two other shows is because at the end of the year in my elective class, I would teach, um, we would do a production. It's a production elective. So we do a show. Well, I have 80 kids in my elective right now. And so there's just like 60 of them are on the performance track. The rest are in either business or tech. And so it basically comes down to, I can't find shows to fit them all in anymore. And so instead, I've like now every grade level gets their own show, which lets me not have to do a show with a cast of thousands. And instead, I can do, um, you know, smaller shows with like 10 or 12 people, and that'll cover the majority of my kids over the four shows. But it means it does mean I end up doing five shows a year, which is. Yeah,
0: it sounds like an insane amount of work.
1: Luckily I've been I've been training kids as we go, so I have like assistant directors who are students and my musical directors and alumni uh, students. So it's it's all about I have had to learn to delegate. Good. <laughs> Delegating yes. is a good thing.
0: Awesome. That's like that's the whole collaborative aspect of creativity that I think uh, I, I feel like I know a lot of artists that struggle with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you've got that that connection to the material and you want to Um, you want to control it at some level and yeah. yeah. So have you had any time in, in your week to get any, any geeking out done?
0: Yeah. You'd be, you know, it's amazing what I find time to do when I'm trying to avoid doing the thing that I have to do. You know, (laughs) procrastination is a great opportunity to, uh, to find some geeky stuff to, to comfort myself with. Um, this weekend, uh, when I should have been writing a paper for my MFA thesis class, um, I was instead deciding to, that it was a good time to sort through all of my comic books and uh, my comic book-related artwork and posters that I've had sitting here in my studio for a while now. So, of course, I've been avoiding that stack of, you know, kind of things to put away for a while. And right when I don't have time to do anything else, I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go go through that stack. Um Very comforting (laughs) for me to do that Um, because, you know, I, as listeners may remember, I I just moved into uh, this new apartment. I've been here for uh, almost two months now, and for the most part, I'm settled, but there's certain little projects that I kind of set aside, and um, one of them was actually sorting through my comic books because... It's, it's a lot to keep track of at this point. Most of it is graphic novels, but still, you know, I like to keep them in as good a, c- a condition as I can. Um, and I just can't help thumbing through them as I'm sort of, you know, stacking them in, in their bookshelf or whatever. Um, and then in addition to that, I've got a lot of comic book related artwork um, that I've kind of accumulated over the years, whether it's Gifts, you know, uh, people. I have friends in the industry. I have friends that, you know, table at comic cons and do stuff like that. So every now and then, I'll I'll get some cool stuff gifted to me from from my friends, um, and then just stuff that I pick up and collect. Um, I've got sketches. I've got original sketches from like Eric Larson and Jay Lee and Brandon Peterson and Jim Lee and Todd McFarlane. And I've got um, some cool like old school like Marvel posters, um, like Silver Age stuff. So. You know, I, I've really just kind of been huddled in the corner with my comic book things, just kind of trying to hold on and get ready for this—the craziness that's going to be the semester.
1: Yeah, there's definitely something very comforting about being around your stuff and being able to yes. just kind of be in it. But, but we're going to talk about like comfort stuff uh, as as our main feature today. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. The only geeky stuff I've I've done since we, we spoke last is I'm actually watching Jack Ryan.
0: Oh, I was wondering about that. And that I heard somebody curious. say that they thought it was very MAGA. Oh, yeah, I, I could I, I would expect that. Well, I mean it is and it is it,
1: because I mean they do show like the levels and how how the 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 bad guys got to where they were and it's kind of our fault and oh, okay, y- you know, like, I don't I mean, it, it is it is It is a spy thriller where America's got to be the good guy but we're not the cut and dry good guy in this one
0: Oh well, that's I mean, that's loads more uh, uh, complexity than these types of projects usually come with
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, and I mean my husband loves the kind of spy genre that that really is his his favorite movie genre. He loves Born Anything. Um, and Anything, uh, and you know he likes Mission Impossible, 007, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. and he's just loving it. Like last night, we ended up the we finished the episode, and he's like, "Oh my god, it's so good!" Like he doesn't get that excited about television.
0: <laughs> so uh, also, so uh, we enjoying- quite quite the snack nowadays. <laughs> oh, he's beautiful. The man is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> is he, is he, uh, I remember seeing pictures of him uh, a few months ago, just having gotten like totally ripped. Was that in preparation for this role specifically?
1: I think it was a preparation for a previous movie he did. And I don't oh, okay. know that he's quite that ripped, but he's close. Like he, okay. and they don't, they don't hesitate to take his shirt off as often as
0: possible. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, all that hard work's got to, all the hard work's got to be shown off, you know, somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a lot of friends uh, that are big fans of the office. Uh, you know, obviously, um, uh, uh, what's his name on the show? Um, I don't remember. It's been so long since I watched. Damn it. Not Pam and whatever. Uh, anyway, they're big fans of the office, of course, you know, obviously big fans of John Krasinski, Krasinski from the office. And then I just kind of hit them all with that one shirtless photo of him when he was like maximum ripped and just kind of like watched the waves of like shock and intrigue come back at me from my friends. Like what the hell? Like, you know, kind of scared, but also very, very interested.
1: (laughs) Well, and it's funny cause, cause uh, Sean Daly at school is uh, like, he, he does this thing where kids who get there really early, like he'll let them vote on what they want to watch, but they have to like, commit to it like if it's a season then i mean if it's series then this is what we're watching every morning that you come in until we're done with this, the series okay. and so they picked office because he'd never seen it and oh. it was like oh yeah this would be great so they're watching the office before school every day and i walked in on it today and i saw him back in like season two and i'm <laughs> like man is not the same person like yeah. not even a little bit
0: it's 12 back then. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's funny. I just, uh, while you were uh, talking about how much Matt is enjoying this show, I Googled Jack Ryan jingoism. And <laughs> the first, the first uh, uh, result that comes back is a, a, a vanity fair piece titled Jack Ryan is a patriotic nightmare. So I'm interested to read this piece and then probably check out this show as well. It's weird. Cause I guess, You know, if you know a little bit about me and my politics, you would think that I would really not dig this stuff. But, like, I'm a fan of Mission Impossible. Um, I like a good action, you know, project, whether it's a series or or a movie or whatnot. Uh, If it's done well and it tells an entertaining story, like, you know, I'm in.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, like, I I feel like they they are setting him up to be a very flawed character. Like, he's not... He's he's the Boy Scout, but he's what's wrong with
0: that set. Oh, you
1: know this is I mean? sounding
0: more and like, more interesting. You're gonna sell me on this, Joe.
1: Well, and I, I hope somebody's like, no, that's not it at all. I mean, I hope that's not the case. I hope that I'm not just like he's cute and I'll explain <laughs> away anything. But but I don't think so. I mean, I'm not like I I can sit there and say I can see where it's problematic in, of course, you know, it's all muslim terrorists and you know there's definitely that yeah but i i just don't feel like i don't feel like we're as as clean in this as as everybody else is
0: you know know, what this is reminding me of this feels like shades of when marvel was getting ready to release captain america and they were like how do we sell this project how do we brand this thing, you know, because the guy's literally wearing a damn flag. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and that was where they went with the, you know, at the time was a controversial, controversial choice of calling it, um, the first Avenger, right. It was, it was, I think at first it was actually called the first Avenger Captain America. And I Mm -hmm. think it's kind of been, that's been flipped around, you know, since obviously the character was a success and, you know, gained all this popularity. Um, yeah, but you know they were kind of hedging their bets there, right? They're kind of right. like, this is this is an Avengers prequel, everyone. Don't worry, like we're not going to try to shove patriotism down your throats, right? Um, yeah, well, and I think they did a good job.
1: Like he, like you know, he he was the the poster boy for an ideal, and not necessarily doing it. like it was a very yeah, it was it was a it, they very much made him a symbol, not a not a realistic idea like you know it just didn't, yeah yeah it, it wasn't you didn't oversell not, the patriotism
0: as a matter of fact they they poked fun at the idea of him as propaganda in that whole sequence in the film where he's not really doing any fighting he's just a like an attraction like a show right right so that was pretty good um and then of course you know they took it to another level with uh winter soldier which is like one is still one of my favorite marvel movies um and that whole idea that you know captain america you know doesn't always, you know, land on the side of the government that he supposedly, you know, represents or works for. Um, right. Wonder Soldier is awesome. That's one of those movies. Well, well I'm I'm, blowing all my secrets of, or, or my, my <laughs> info for later on. So I'll just stop there. But yeah. Yeah. So, all right. I'm, I'm going to have to check out uh, Jack Ryan. This is perfect because during the week um, I'm here at home, usually in the studio, and I need, like to have something on that can kind of divide my attention a little bit. So that that's probably what, what I'm going to do.
1: I I can, I can just picture the text. I'm, I'm going to dread the text. that is like, dude, no, totally, <laughs> totally patriotism. You're just, in, you're infatuated by his muscles,
0: <laughs> which, you know, is also understandable.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to take a quick break, talk about some of our, um, our, our other network, Shows and then uh, we are going to come back and talk about our contest and a couple of other things. Oh yeah, we'll be, yeah, we'll be right back. I'm Void and I'm Beach and together we're the Geek to Geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. and download our podcast today. And we are back. And um, I, we have not seen the uh, what what Geek to Geek cast is producing this week, but we are completely jumping on the bandwagon and stealing tea times topic this week <laughs> uh, because they just did um, what they geek out about when they are brain fried. And as you can tell by the intro from our, our show today, both, both Ray and I are exhausted. So we, we thought this was a good one to kind of co-op.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, T-Tex. Yes. <laughs> yes. um, but we are going
1: to um, go over our, our entries, our Sinister Six entries, because I think that uh, it is about time.
0: By now, the, the cat's out of the bag, right? Everyone that listens to this podcast knows that at the end of you know uh, the episode two episodes ago, there was kind of an impromptu uh, contest announced at the very end. I mean, you had to listen to the entire episode, all the ending credits and stuff. Um, and so that's that's the contest that we're announcing the winner of now, right? Yes, yes, cool. absolutely.
1: Cool. Um all right so in third place because we are actually going to um give away more than we had said we were going to we're um am giving <laughs> 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 uh Mr I'm going to say Ianinski I A O N S K I that sounds contacted right. me on slack with his his uh lineup of Doc Ock Hobgoblin Tombstone rhino morbius and speed demon
0: i love i love the combination of classics with a few unexpected in there
1: yeah and i feel like it could go places like i feel like you know they already want to do a morbius yeah um show and i feel like tombstone has some ties to like wasn't he kind of mobster related
0: yes, yes. yeah so i really the some that. places yeah. you can go I always liked Tombstone as a character. He was in, he was the villain in an issue of Daredevil that is probably the first issue of Daredevil I ever owned. Like, at, seriously, like at twelve years old, and just that mm-hmm. character always stuck to me since then.
1: Yeah. So uh, you are the winner of a loot crate ex- um, exclusive comic book, and I will get your information, and we will be sending that out to you soon. So that is what you are getting. And then in second place, um, we have from uh, the the No Longer With Us comic box, we have Rob. <laughs> and he, he, he gave us a more extensive um, rundown of his his group. Uh, here's my Sinister Sticks team intended for the Marvel Cinematic Universe
0: Spidey. Nice take right off the bat. I like that. Right. That He is very specific with what he was intending this for. This is for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes.
1: So he has the Vulture, which we've seen already. Shocker, which we've seen already. So we know they're, they're established. Uh, Mysterio, who I believe is supposed to be the next bad guy.
0: Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, potentially.
1: Yeah. Uh, Diamondback. Cool. From... Uh, Luke Cage, right? That's such a
0: yeah. That's such a deep geeky, geeky dive. I feel like, even though yeah, even though he was on a, a Luke Cage, I just feel like it's such a cool choice.
1: Yes, and then Killmonger, <laughs> which blows my mind.
0: Yeah. Oh my god! I got so excited when I saw that as a suggestion.
1: And then, um, Scorpion with the superior Spider-Man stolen um, Iron Spidey suit.
0: Which Wait, say, I think is kind of an interesting take on it. Yeah, that was who with the with the stolen Spidey suit? Sc- Scorpion. Scorpion, right. Okay, so see, now this is interesting because he took into account some of the storylines that have already sort of been introduced in the MCU. Right. Right, and so he's kind of building off of that, which again, like if you haven't noticed by now, we're gravitating towards, you know, the, the suggestions with interesting story potential.
1: All right, and so then uh, he has the secret seventh member, which is this is all financed by the Kingpin.
0: Oh, that was where, where I kind of lost it. That was great. That was a great idea. I love the Kingpin, and I love the idea that it's kind of like a surprise that someone – because it makes sense for the Sinister Six, you know, for, for that group of, of bad guys to get together. Someone must kind of be pulling the strings behind the scenes. and That's way better than, than the weird – uh, do you do you remember uh, the Andrew Garfield Spider Man uh, um, movies where there was like this shadowy figure uh, kind of talking about whether or not Peter Parker realizes that he's the chosen one? That was such an yes, odd yes. choice. Oh my so god! So strange. What were those movies doing? Anyway, okay. On, on uh, Congrats, Rob. What's Rob getting?
1: Well, he's well, you're you're going to do a a solo image for him, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: because i I liked his suggestion so much um that I thought uh, he did deserve a drawing. So what I'm gonna do is is instead of drawing all six characters or seven in his case, I'm gonna pick one of these characters and I'm gonna do uh, just kind of like a solo pinup of of the character, of my choice and, and Rob's gonna be getting that as his price.
1: And then very, uh, the very distinct, like the, the, the best honor to get in the full shebang, the full six drawn out is our friend data error. If you, if you are not on Reddit, you should be because he's kind of our, our Reddit guru. (laughs) Um, and um, we're actually going to – he's got a whole thing. Rob did have a whole written thing out. If you want to see it on, on Twitter, you can. But I'm going to actually read out uh, Data Error stuff because he is the winner. So he's earned the right. Um, he says, the way I see it, the point of having a Sinister Six team up against the hero is to outnumber, oppress, and break down Spider-Man from multiple angles at once. So ideally, you want to construct your team like a task force to do just that. Number one, Norman Osborn as the benefactor and point man for the whole operation, not even necessarily as the green goblin. His purpose here is to use his financial and political power to run smear campaigns and turn public opinion against Spider-Man while funneling resources into equipping the rest of the team in that vein. If we have to suit him up, perhaps use the iron Patriot persona for his it's much better PR To help legitimize their case. Norman's very presence as lead and public face, of course, creates an actual power imbalance in the group, which makes for some juicy drama and a way for Spidey to wedge the group apart later. So he's thinking of the entire story here. He's not just setting him up, but he's got like plot in here. Um, Yeah. Dr. Octopus gets a bit of a shoe in for being the original leader, but he's also highly capable as a planner collaborating and like, likely butting heads with Osborne and can go toe to toe with most of Spider-Man's typical bag of tricks. He also has tons of experience with Peter Parker's personal life after his stint as the superior Spider-Man. That's still in Canon, right? I, I do believe it is, <laughs> uh, which is going to come in handy when uh, tyrannis, uh, tyrannizing
0: the hero. So, so uh, kind of surprise tidbit here. I, I, Loved drawing Dr. Octopus as a kid. He's one of my favorite characters to draw. So that was definitely going to weigh in someone's favor, whoever uh, suggested (laughs) Dr. Octopus as part of their six. So good job there.
1: Uh, Craven the Hunter to track Spider-Man 24-7 and ensure he never gets a moment's rest. If they're going to make... Uh, really make this a war of attrition. They're going to be dogging him every hour of the day to keep Spidey really worn down. And who better for the task than the Hunter himself? I can almost see this scene taking place. Yep, like totally. Uh, Spider-Man kind of hiding behind like trash cans and and just being taunted by Kraven. Yeah. Uh, Vulture, to match Spidey's aerial prowess and cut off his escape routes, one of Spider-Man's get-out-of-jail-free cards is that if a situation really goes south, he can just zip up and away out of the situation where most villains can't follow. Vulture kills that advantage and, as a result, significantly closes in the space where Spider-Man is safe.
0: Data Era has basically found a way to kill Spider-Man. He's yeah, basically he devised has. a way to just completely murder this character. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Mysterio, for the effects show, if part of the main strategy is to overwhelm Spidey, Mysterio's additional flashy powers, illusion, and even hypnosis will pull more than its weight in confounding Spider-Man and slowing him down. It's bad enough fighting Doc Ock when he doesn't have the added benefit of smoke screens and hallucinogens. I'm actually really looking forward to Mysterio as the next bad guy. Yes, I think that's a really interesting. Like, who would again? We've said this so many times, but whoever thought we were going to get a Mysterio, the yeah. man has a friggin' fishbowl on his head.
0: Yeah, he's always been such an interesting visual, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, he's got a lot of fans, too. I don't know for spoilers for anyone out there who never caught up with uh, Kevin Smith's run on Daredevil back when he was part of Marvel Knights. Uh, but, um, you know, someone was messing with Daredevil and, and really putting him through the ringer. And in the end, spoilers, it, it turns out to be Mysterio, which I thought. And I can see Jake Gyllenhaal like going full weird, you know? Uh, yeah. uh, I like him as an actor because he, he is really a uh, game for like changing his physical appearance. He doesn't always have to play like the, you know, the attractive leading man type. Um, so I think he would be a good Mysterio actually, just because he would, he would change and kind of stretch himself to whatever, you know, would make the character the most interesting.
1: Without going to the weird places that some of the c- actors have gone. Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not gonna like dead rats like <laughs> like you got any suggestions like uh, who's gone what's weird his places? face
1: from um uh, the one who played the joker uh <laughs> jared leno <laughs> jared leno like leave, it, leave him weird like dead rats on his, coast his
0: <laughs> oh that's right <laughs> that was like, like yeah on the set right yeah yeah yeah, I feel bad for Jared Leto because well, not that bad, but it's uh, <laughs> like ahead of ourselves. Yeah, he's doing just fine, right? <laughs> <But> <laughs> the man doesn't want for much. I feel bad for myself because I didn't. I feel like we didn't really get to see what he did with the character, just due to the edits, you know, and, and basically yeah. changing the whole story at the last minute through, through in the editing room. Uh, it it just sounds, you know, from interviews and whatnot that there was a lot done with the, that character that we didn't get to see.
1: Yeah, which is a shame.
0: Yeah, who's the who's the sixth member of uh, Data Era's uh, uh, Sinister Six? The
1: the sixth member is Rhino is the muscle. Every good party company needs a solid tank, and that's just what he does. That's what he does best, from what I can tell. Once they they've got Spider Man on the ropes, Rhino is going to be the clear choice to physically cripple him until he inevitably makes a comeback. Scorpion could probably fit the spot just as well, but Rhino is just bigger and bulkier. Which should help visually break up the lineup.
0: Man, I love how he suggested not just the characters, but the ways in which that they could be utilized to test Spider-Man. Um, it's all super visual. Like he literally calls Rhino a tank, right? Like yeah, yeah. uh all this stuff, like Vulture. He usually he 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 literally, you know, talks about aerial attacks. So like in reading this description, I remember when you first shared it with me. It was just like I got like an instant kind of visual image. It was, it was kind of a lock for the, the winner from that point on.
1: Yeah. Well, his, his final thing is, of course, I realize i have mostly just reconstructed the lineup that Amazing Spider-Man 2 was leading toward, but still handled right. I think they have good synergy as a team. And, and I, I think, I mean, it's got, it's got everything. It's got the, the kind of story elements. It's got the... It feels like what... Marvel's been doing and taking kind of the four color comics and, and turning it into something that we want to see in 2018.
0: Yeah, totally. Something that, you know, a missed opportunity from that, that amazing Spider-Man too, as well. Yeah. Cool. So congratulations to Data Error. Um, I'm yeah. really excited to, to make this drawing, haven't decided yet, uh, what medium I'm going with. I'm going to kind of wait and see as it comes together, what, what is sort of calling to me. Um, but we're going to make sure to obviously we'll, we'll post and share the image when it's done. And then we're going to find the best way to get it to, to data air.
1: Yeah. We'll make sure it gets to you. We'll we'll, we'll try and get all this stuff out as, as soon as possible. Cause there's nothing worse than having a contest and then not getting a prize for like months.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I'm already so, sketching it out. That's awesome.
1: I can't wait to see it. I, I love watching your stuff. Cool. All right, so the big the what we're talking about, and it's mostly because we're probably going to be diving into this as soon as we stop recording, um, is what uh, what do we geek out about, or what do we go to when we don't have the energy to geek up out about new stuff? Like, what is our tr- tried and true? Go back and just bask in the geekiness and let it
0: replenish you, <laughs> which is much needed this time of year, both of us, (laughs) Um, I mean, but that's, that's sort of what uh, a lot of, you know, uh, um, that's why a lot of geeks are into the things that they're into, right? Because it's a source of comfort. Mm -hmm. But I feel like even, even within that, like you, Joe, you're someone who likes to challenge yourself to try new things, to check things out. You know, you, you, a lot of kind of, you set aside a lot of time for just giving chances to things. But mm-hmm. when you know you're pressed for time, when you know you only have a little bit of, you know, um, um, kind of recreational time to spare and you want to get your geek fix, what is the thing that, that you go towards that you know is just going to, like, soothe you?
1: Um, well, I think I've mentioned this on a couple of podcasts. I, I do play a lot of video games. And WoW is, of course, one of my go-to's just it's you know i think void and Beech call them evergreen games where they're they're always there and you're always going back to them um but i don't tend to go to it when i'm stressed out because i have to accomplish things in wow like there's always something to achieve or something to do and and i've said on the show i know how stressed i am by how much i want to play sims 4
0: (laughs) really that's surprising yes. that that came out of left field for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, for me, it's like, and it, it's always been like that. Any if anytime I'm really stressed out, I play a Sims game because like, I think when my, my life feels least in control, I feel least in control of my life. I can go in and control my, my little video avatar Sim's lives and, and it, you know, there's no stakes. It's like mm. if, I don't like the way the thing's going. I create a new character. Like it's just kind of a way to just have, you know, a little bit of creative, you know, you create little houses, create their outfits, give them jobs, you know, a little bit of creative output, but not anything that is going to add up to anything significant. Like there's no, no responsibility to achieve something.
0: So what happens when you try to play Sims? You said it was Sims Four. Mm-hmm. What what happens when you try to play that when you have you, you're not in need of that kind of comfort and that kind of like simple joy? Do you get bored?
1: Yeah, it doesn't hold my attention as much.
0: Okay, so you're like it usually.
1: Yeah, and it, honestly, it'll spur me. I, I the cycle tends to be this isn't accomplishing what i want to do right now i want to i want to hit things with swords and you can't hit things with swords in sims 4 so i'll go play wow or um, you know I, I want the customability of of the game but i want to do something more strategic okay i'll go play xcom like it'll whatever whatever i'm in the mood for it'll kind of be the launch pad to get me out of that and into you know a, a, one of my ever evergreen games that I tend to enjoy
0: okay okay so what is it specifically about Sims 4 and, and not any other versions of the game is that just the latest version
1: it's the latest version and because it's the latest version it's the most playable i guess is the best way to do it like the the best version of Sims i think was Sims 3 but it's so cumbersome and it's so like you can only play it for so long before the the game just slows down to a halt and then it's just unplayable oh yeah yeah it's because there's like i mean there's something like i don't know 10 expansions to that thing and some of them are really great and i'm kind of waiting for them to integrate them into sims 4 but they are um you you could tell the design where they where the design's flaws were in Sims 3 because it was very open world where you didn't have loading screens between neighborhoods or between houses and then in Sims 4 anytime you have to go to a new location there's a loading screen and the reason why they do that is to kind of refresh everything because every time you bring in a new character or a new item or a new animal or whatever it happens to be it's more data and the computer is giving that data command that character commands because they're all walking around autonomously Mm. and so the more you add the slower the machine gets and so by refreshing every time you go into a new area it kind of clears all that data out and lets it run properly
0: (laughs) that is such a geek (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I think, yep. I think that is the hardest I've ever heard you Geek. Just that really mundane kind of description of <laughs> the mechanics of playing this game. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> That's the back end.
1: I don't have to deal with it. I just have to get frustrated when it's not loading properly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's funny. How long have you been playing Sims?
1: Um, I think I've been playing it. I think I... I don't remember having Sims one like the original Sims, but I'm pretty sure we did. I'm pretty sure my family has always had a Sims game on a computer.
0: It's amazing how many different ways you can play. You can be a gamer. Yeah. Right. You can have very passive game. Like what you're talking about now, you can have a super challenging game. You can have like a really like, um, you know, a uh, uh, and challenging in different ways, right? It can be like a long epic story. It can be a series of puzzles that you have to like engage with. Uh, and I'm sure there are people that find like comfort and joy in all of those different, you know, versions of, of playing a game or whatnot.
1: Well, and and Matt will never will never claim to be a gamer, but but <laughs> when he's stressed out, it's not uncommon to find him in the lounge uh, playing Candy Crush. And, you know, like,
0: you know, it's everybody's got their thing. It, it seems like it's, it's fairly obvious. We just want life to be simple, right? Yeah. We yeah. just, we just want it to be just very, so, Oh, what I got, I just got to crush candy. Okay. I could do that. Just you know, forget everything <laughs> else. I just, that's all I got to do. Okay. Um, That's, that's funny. And I mean, with Sims, you're literally just like walking around like a simulation of life, just a stripped down version of it.
1: Right. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's great because it's like, um, you know, you can get promoted in two days. You can, you know, it's five (laughs) interactions and and you're in a relationship. Like it's like, everything is pretty.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. This sounds dangerously appealing. (laughs)
1: oh yeah no it is it is and then and then if you want to go into the rabbit hole of like i can't believe i'm talking about i figured this was like oh yeah i play the sims and move on but you know you you started it so we're gonna finish it (laughs) oh yeah Um, we're going there (laughs) um the the a lot of people who don't play sims don't know that there is an entire community out there that creates mods for these games so there are people who are basically sims fashion designers and you can download all the outfits that they've created for your sims or you can you know they are furniture designers and you can go and download all their furniture and some of these things are behind paywalls and some of these things are you know you can go into there there is a dark web of sims downloads where you can have them doing things that are not so pg (laughs) like that like i am aware
0: of <laughs> like, <laughs> of course somehow some way that knowledge found my brain already so
1: <laughs> yeah so i mean like like it is uh, people don't think of the sims as having a fandom there's a very extensive fandom oh, yeah. out there yeah. i i don't delve into it that much but it, it is cool every once in a while to kind of see what people are working on and people are doing out there.
0: And yeah, I kind of I kind of really love how simple and honest and straightforward this this game or this platform is, you know, it's we're not we're not even beating around the bush. You can literally recreate a digital life for yourself that just feels easier and more rewarding than the one that you're actually. living. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, that sounds dangerously appealing. I mean, this is where I'm headed, right? This is the singularity. We're all going. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, you can make you can make a sim Ray that's an artist and just you know just like arts done in in like five God. five minutes. Right now you're like tire.
0: right now you're like the the dealer like in the dark alley going <laughs> hey man you want to meet all your deadlines hey <laughs> come over here I want to see what I got. Oh my god, um, that's great. Well, uh, how about how about you? What do you what do you do? So it's a sim. It's it's a similar kind of brain shutting off activity, but for me, it's it's movies. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. and I feel like movies at this point, movies are probably the most passive form of, um, of storytelling, right? Because. Even even I mean, you know, obviously with with video games, you know, you're you're in the story itself and you're affecting you have to do stuff. Uh, some might say that books are that but with books, you actually have to read, you know, with a movie, you don't have to do any of that. You just sit there and it just all all the dialogue and, you know, all the the uh, the action and all the music just kind of washes over you. So I do feel like in that way, it's similar to just, you know, to to any of the activity where you would get to just kind of ch- shut your brain off. Um, and just enjoy it. Uh, normally, because I'm a, I'm a big fan of films, movies, and, and um, I geek out about that all the time. If you look at my DVD collection, I tend to gravitate, it becomes very obvious that I tend to gravitate towards films that are really heavy. I just, mm-hmm. I really love um, movies that affect you. I really love stories that, Kind of challenge the audience, make them feel uncomfortable, maybe make them, you know, question things on an existential level or whatnot. Um, but still, with enough of that like pop culture appeal that they're also like entertaining. Like I'm not sitting down watching like you know French, you know, new wave like <laughs> black and white films or anything like that. Um, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, a good mix. Um, but it does make it hard sometimes where I do feel like just sitting down and just watching something with my brain shut off. Um, Or just when you just kind of want to like pass a pleasant night or afternoon watching a, a, a movie. There have been many times, Joe, many times that I've wanted to do that with a friend and we sort of look over my collection of DVDs and go, God, everything here is an ordeal. <laughs> to get through, like we're gonna go on a
1: journey that I don't think either of us have an energy to go through. Exactly, exactly.
0: Everything <laughs> is like a gut wrenching, like experience, like emotional experience that I tend to collect because that's the stuff that I gravitate towards. I'll never forget. I'll never forget being in college and watching uh, for the first time. Um, oh my god, what is that, Darren Aronofsky? uh, film about drug. Uh, Oh, I I know people are listening to this right now going, Oh, it's, it's, it's that uh, train spot. No, it's Requiem for a Dream. Okay. That move. I'll never forget my first time watching that movie. Joe, you want to talk about a brutal experience, uh film watching experience? (laughs) I mean, so, so when I was in art school, um, I had a friend, um, Patty, uh, who, uh, we shared a studio and we would hang out often during the week and and on weekends. And we would just kind of talk art, be silly and watch movies. And so we got into this habit of like, you know, renting a couple movies because back then that's what you did because I'm old. And, um, you know, going back to her her place and just putting on, you know, whatever, you know, film we were going to check out that week. I'll never forget when we we finished, we put on Requiem for a Dream on a Saturday kind of mid morning. And as soon as that film ended, we kind of sat in silence for like 30 seconds. And then she said, thank God we watched that during the day. (laughs) Cause if it had been at night, we would have been in a dark place. And, uh, that I've never watched that film again to this day. Uh, just because I'm not, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, that was pretty great. And I never want to do that again. Right. Um, and I don't understand, frankly, people that uh, watch stuff like Human Centipede. Oh, you know, God, no, or it's, just, it's advertised as a horrible experience. Um, now that's on one end of of the extreme, uh, or, or the other side of things is I don't understand people who say I only ever want to consume pleasant, heartwarming. Uh, unchallenging films right there. I have friends that are like, I'll never watch a horror movie. I'll never watch a suspense thriller because I just don't like how they make me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause to me, it's just like saying like, I only eat sweets. Like all I ever want is cotton candy. I don't want, you know, I don't want any kind of challenging, any, any kind of dish to challenge my palate. Um, so, you know, I, I do gravitate towards the, the more challenging stuff. However, when I'm stressed out and when I'm tired that is that is when I wa- rewatch Justice League. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, Joe? You know what yeah. I'm talking about? That's when, that's when that stuff happens. And so, um, I, of course, you know, I gravitate back towards comic book films because there it's a combination of two things I love: movies and comic books. Um, and especially comic book movies that I've seen already multiple times, especially comic book movies from the early days of when you know. Uh, 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 Hollywood was adapting these stories. So like, I'll go back and watch Batman begins, you know, and just kind of have it on. I'll go back and watch Hellboy, the first Hellboy. Um, Spider-Man two, you know, I'm not, not the biggest fan of the Sam Raimi, uh, Spider-Man series, but Spider-Man two, in in my opinion, still holds up pretty well. And again, you know, I love Dr. Octopus yeah. and I loved Alfred Molina's version of Dr. Octopus. So um, I've even gone as far back to watch like, X-Men 2, you know? Um, Oh, the other day, I was watching a clip from an extended clip from Batman Returns. Oh, wow. That kind of of gives you an idea of how tired I am. (laughs) 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 You know, it was that whole scene where uh, the Penguin has announced his, his bid for mayor of Gotham and he walks up to his lair and Catwoman is there waiting for him and they start to scheme you know, against Batman and I'm sitting there Joe and I'm watching that. And it's kind of taking me back to my childhood. You know, I think I was like, I was like 13 years old when that movie came out. Um, And I'm just like, Oh my God, how did Tim Burton get away with this? Because it's, it's so raunchy and there's so much sexual innuendo going on. Like in every exchange, he is, like shining a hard light on the kink that you know is involved in dressing up in these leather outfits and and going out and you know running around the city at night I couldn't believe it it kind of made me want to watch the whole thing all over again and and honestly probably before the end of the semester uh, that's gonna happen I'm gonna do that
1: I feel like there's certain movies where you and I should like we have to make a point to go to one another's house and just like yes watch and then record immediately <laughs> after and be like oh my yes. god let's just watch this and because you're talking about that I was like I'm putting on the list I'm putting on the list the the old um, Adam West Batman movie oh my
0: god the one I, where he fights a shark the one with yes. the shark repellent yes yeah. <laughs> so. Uh yeah, I'm I'm of course, you know, very familiar with that movie, but yeah, I'd be totally down to watch it with you. I actually um I don't know if any of you have ever bothered to check out uh, my work on online, but um for a while I was designing my own t-shirts. Um not really because, you know, I had I had hopes of like becoming like a an apparel manufacturer or anything. I just up with ideas for shirts and sometimes I'm like, Oh, I would wear that. And so I want the means to like be able to make it. And you know, if you're going to pay for art school, at least you could do is make your own shirts. So right, um, right, exactly. <laughs> I designed my own Batman shirt, but the bat symbol, and, and we'll include a, a picture of this somewhere. The bat symbol is made up of all of Batman's different gadgets.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: And of course I included in that bat shark repellent. So and that was that was something that Sean actually immediately pointed out when he first saw that he was like, oh, the bad shark repellent. I need that shirt. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of that of that movie. But like seriously, man, I've got some movies from way back queued up for this semester. Um, I'm I've been saving a rewatching of the original Blade with Wesley Snipes.
1: Oh, that would be a good one. But yeah, no, that would be a really good one. That would be a fun one to listen to or to, to watch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember Blade, I was in God, 1998, 99. There was some a lot of great films, like or at least films that really had an impact on me during my first couple of years of art school. And Blade was one of those movies that was like I knew he was a comic book character. Um I wanted to go check it out because it seemed like a fun action movie, you know, involving vampires. And it I think it was it was at the time it was way better than it had any right or expectation to be. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how it holds up. Blade 2, a lot of people don't know that Blade 2 was actually directed by Guillermo del Toro before he was, you know, the Academy Award winning filmmaker that he is today. Um, I know that because holy I am shit. with you. <laughs> Dude, Blade 2 is awesome. He <laughs> He totally does his genre thing on it where he builds like this cast of like, badass vampire hunters that are also vampires themselves. And he's Mm -hmm. got like the big strong guy. He's got like the fast talking, like quick witted, like, you know, kind of snarky guy. He's got like the leader. Um, It's of course, you know, anyone that, that is into geeky, you know, genre properties recognizes these archetypes. And Guillermo del Toro did a great job of including all of these in this vampire team in Blade 2. So that's another one. That I want to go back and watch soon, but this is my jam, man. Like this is this is all I want to do when I'm tired, when I'm stressed, you know, when I when I have some time to just sort of practice some self care, which is like super important. I think not enough people make time to do that, and for me, it's it's watching these old comic book films.
1: That's awesome. That's really cool, and it's something yeah. that I, th- I, I, I I don't watch, watch a lot of ass.
0: movies. Kick-ass is
1: one. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> I almost put that on the other day. And I don't rewatch films, but I forget why, but I was like, I really want to watch kick again. And I actually like the second one too. I wish they'd made the third.
0: Cuz it's yeah, supposed to be a trilogy. Yeah, I agree with you. Yes, exactly. Um, I put on Kick-ass for friends that have never seen it that are fans of Marvel movies, you know, there's a lot of I don't mean to sound like the old, you know, snarky comic book geek, but here I go. Um there's lots of fans of these Marvel movies that haven't watched a lot of these old comic book films. And so I really love throwing on kick-ass for some friends just to watch their reaction to hit girl. Oh God.
1: Yes. Like I remember sitting there going, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm fascinated.
0: Yeah. Hit girl blew me away at the time and it still blows people away. That character just it's, I think it was ahead of its time in some ways. I'm not saying it's the best, you know, comic book movie ever made. Uh, it's not, but Hit Girl and and Nicolas Cage's uh, whole approach to playing Big Daddy, where he does an Adam West impersonation, and I think that went over the heads of a lot of people that watched and like Kick-Ass, is that he, oh my God, I cackled with so much joy in the theater when it hit me, like three lines into you know Nicolas Cage's performance, what he was doing. Oh, I, I, it made me love this movie so much.
1: It's it's a good one. It's it's definitely an oldie but goodie.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's how I uh, that's how I kind of comfort myself. Um, do we have time for a question? I wanted to ask you something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what what do you do? Because I'm listening to you talk about like casting these these shows, and I know how, what a huge theater geek you are, and I know what a source of joy you know, um, um, doing these plays and these shows is for you. Um, what do you do when that joy also becomes the source of your stress?
1: Oh, (laughs) so last year we cast, um, we cast in the Heights and one of my hardcore always there, um, performers did not get the part that she wanted. She got ensemble and, um, we've now named the claws. That's that to me. Um,
0: she. What does well, it mean what, to get ensemble?
1: Ensemble is okay. So you have your your lead roles, which are your your named characters, the ones that have you know the majority of the lines, the ones that have the um a lot of solos, and then you have. Everybody else, the the neighbors, the the people who fill in the scenes, really make the show feel like it's taking place in a real space. Would that be like
0: supporting characters, or is it even a step below that?
1: Well, I mean, it's not even a step below. It's just uh, it, it's it's not the lead. It's not the supporting. It's it's the ensemble. It's everybody else. And I try and pick pieces that are definitely more. Um, Ensemble based because I want everybody to feel like they're contributing to the show in in some way or another. And I I guess I didn't make it clear enough that this is a very heavy ensemble show. And you're not just going to be a background singer and dancer, you're going to have You know, you're gonna have a character. You're gonna have a story. You just, it's just not written in the script. And and so we we spent a lot of time going through these characters. You know, who it you've got kind of like they're not named. They're they're just they're neighbors. They're people in the street. But as soon as you give them a character, as soon as you say, well, what's your character's story? These kids were coming up with like storylines, and so that really kind of. Hmm motivated where they were on stage and who they would interact with. And it created a very living, breathing kind of group of people. Like there was one like rivalry, two girls had a rivalry, kept fighting over different guys on stage in each scene. And then at the end, they decide that they don't need a man to define them. And they end up becoming friends just themselves. And that's not written in the script anywhere. That's just stuff that, you know as they interacted th- from scene to scene they realized hey there's a story here and they told it but really yeah oh yeah yeah I mean that's like if you watch background characters in in musicals a lot of times they, they have these these little stories that you don't necessarily notice because you have to give like if you're if they're just sitting there singing and dancing when it's their turn they're they're not They don't feel like real characters.
0: Got it. So these are not speaking parts necessarily.
1: No, they, they, they harmonize in the background and they do all the really cool dance moves and, you know, they have, they have a significant place in the, in the show, but it's really what makes, it's what they make the make out of the part. Got it. Got it. So, so very stressful last year because she felt like she, she wanted this role and she'd put in so much time. And, and so it, it affected the entire show because all of her friends didn't feel like they could celebrate the parts they got because she was so devastated. And, and it was really, it was really hard to get out of that kind of sad thing. Cause it kind of put a cloud over the, um, the production as a whole but I find that the challenges of theater and the creativity of theater kind of is its own de-stressor. So when, when I did get into all the different exercises with the, the kids, she decided to not be in the show. She just didn't feel like she could oh, be there day after day and watch this other kid that she thought had her part. And, wow. and, it, and it was a shame because, you know, she's a very talented person. She just, she just wasn't right for the role that we were that, that she wanted to be in. This and, shit gets real. Oh, it does. Well, I mean, and I, I was explaining to the, like when we cast our show last week, I actually had the, the sophomores watch the juniors audition. And then they were there when we were just, you know, the people who were the casting panel, we would sit there and we would talk about why we were making the decisions. And, you know, one person might've had a better audition, but because she fit, the character type of this, you know, smaller role, mm-hmm. we had to give her that role because she was the right type for it. And it wasn't right. a personal decision. It wasn't a, you know, oh, well, we like this other person better. It was a, this is what the world needs and she can do it. The other person can't do that, but they can do this role. Right. And, and so we're trying to kind of create that idea that, you know, the, the sophomores could watch this process and go, oh, okay. it it doesn't have to do necessarily even about how well I performed. It it really comes down to what I can pull off, what I can play. Yeah. And so once, once that gets all kind of established and everybody is doing what, you know, the show starts running um, and you start rehearsing and everything that is just so fun and joyful Mm -hmm. for me that it will actually reduce the stress around the production. Like I might be stressed about the fact that the lights aren't getting hung properly or the sets not going up as fast as I want it to. And there are times where I'm like, Oh my God, this is just not going to get done. (laughs) But I've been doing it long enough that if I step back and go, it always works out the magic of theater. It'll happen the zero hour, but it will happen. Um, and then I just enjoy kind of the creative process and what all the kids are adding to it and everything else. Like, there's really no other feeling like it. It's very addictive. It's very um, the the energy around live theater and creating live theater is very. Um, I don't know, powerful. And so I, I will, I will crash after <laughs> like, right. I will lo- That's when the Sims four is like full blown on my screen for the next month <laughs> and a half. because I can't, I can't think about anything more complex than that. But, but when we're in the middle of it, um, I don't necessarily want to want to leave that space I don't escape. I don't escape from that. I don't, do you escape from, do you have to feel like you can like not art for a while?
0: Yeah, it's actually, there's a term for it. It's called a post event depression. Mm -hmm. And a lot of creative people, you know, deal with this. Um, I have friends that, you know, my best friend is a curator. Um, she's an amazing curator and, uh, she's also an artist. And so I think that's part of what makes her such a great curator. Um, And she puts on these amazing shows every month, uh, you know, at the gallery that she works at. Um, In addition to that, she also does guest uh, curating projects because like you, you know, she hates herself. Just kidding. Uh, She doesn't hate herself. But, you know, it's just it's just that (laughs) kind of thing where, you know, you you feel so drawn and so passionate about the thing that you're doing that you want to do it as much as possible. And sometimes, you know, you wear yourself out in the process, but you accept that it's, you know, it's part of it. Um, and yeah, you know, we've talked extensively, her and I, about uh, post-event depression and sort of the, the crash that comes, you know, right after um, you've, you've completed work on this project that you've been working on for a while. Um, I wonder, do you ever get to a point where, uh, you know, after you've, you've brought a show like this? Uh, to fruition, you just kind of don't want a theater for a while. Like where you don't even like, you wouldn't even want to go be in the audience of a show. Um, no. In fact, I find as I get closer to the
1: end of theater, that's when I start like planning the new year because like I'll, I'll, I'll start going, okay, and we can do this next year and we can do (laughs) this next year. And that's how I end up with five shows. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it really comes down to, Like there will be downtime, but it's more, it's not like I have to push away from theater. It's that I need to, I'm, I'm very introverted. And so I need to recover my, my social reserves. That's where, that's where I really, that's where a lot of my stress comes from. from Your social
0: reserves.
1: Yeah, I need to. I need to be uh, like I say to Matt. I can't people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. I need to be like in an office by myself, preferably in the dark, <laughs> with <laughs> video monitors in front of me. Like that is my place where I can kind of recharge my energy and know that I am not having to. I don't know. Be beholden to anybody else. I can right. just worry about me and take care of me. And that,
0: that helps. Yeah. That was, you know, something that I started to, um, I wouldn't say I was concerned about it, but it was kind of a a thought that I had, um, continuously while I was getting ready to graduate from art school, um, was, you know, here, I took this thing that I absolutely love that I'm really passionate about that. I always want to be in my life. And I decided to connect that to, um, kind of my financial stability, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something that I talk about now as I mentor students who are, you know, in the process of applying to art school. Uh, I talk about, you know, this this undertaking of, of putting yourself in a position where you're coming to rely on something that you love in order to make a living, it, it changes it. And sometimes, yeah. you know, it becomes the source, the thing you love does become the source of your stress, and how do you handle that? You know, I think different creatives handle it in different ways. Um, I think some would rather, you know, choose to go back and just have it be a, a not maybe a, a hobby, something more than a hobby. But, you know, definitely not something that they need to do in order to pay the bills. And which usually means you need to compromise on. Um, right, right. But some some creatives are fine with that exchange. You know, I was somebody who was fine with that exchange for, you know, the course of my career. I, I uh, kind of thrived on that. Give and take, and that compromise, and, and how to, you know, creative problem solve. Um, but something like, you know, cooking. I mean, I I love to cook. I don't know if that many people know that about me. Um, it's a major hobby of mine. I've I've actually, you know, uh, catered parties and stuff multiple times. Um, and cooking is something where I I know that. Um, It was the right choice to not pursue that (laughs) as a profession. I I think a lot of people ask me, you know, when they find out that I like to cook or whatnot, or they see how much I get into it and really how dedicated I am to that. um, They often ask me, you know, oh, did you ever think about going to culinary school? I'm like, you know, I didn't because I knew that cooking was something that I didn't want to connect to financial, you know, expectations. Cooking for me is meditation. It's the thing that I do almost every day when I come home, just to unwind. And I've known people that are not like that at all when it comes to cooking, like it's the most stressful thing they could think of. But for me, it really does feel like a creative process. Um, And so I knew from very young that that's not something that I wanted to, you know, take into a professional direction, but with artwork and, and, and that sort of thing, it, I don't know, it's, it's always worked It all. It has always been a part of it for me. I think that might be because my dad owned his own business. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, he liked to draw. He was somewhat of an artist in his own right. Although he, he was more focused in, in, um, running a printing press and doing drafting and that sort of thing. But, you know, he he had good eye -eye coordination, that sort of thing. And, um, I think because I saw someone do it for a living, um, the, there was no, never any surprises for me in terms of like what this lifestyle really calls for. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what I would do if comic books and movies became a source of stress for me, Joe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you would find, I mean, like, I feel like you're a, a geek like me where you just, it, when you get excited about something or interested in something or something catches your attention, you kind of dive headfirst into it. And so yes. it, if, for yeah. some reason, like you, you now had to be in charge of comic books and movies and, and that was providing stress for you, you would geek out about something completely different.
0: Yeah, that's probably true. And I like that little turn of phrase you just uh, said, a geek like me. That sounds like a like a segment or something that we haven't discovered a use for yet. <laughs> 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 a geek <laughs> like me. <laughs> that could um, be a hashtag. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That'd be cool. You go out and find people who just geek out about random stuff and then say, like, that's
0: that's the title, Geek Like Me. I feel like that's what you find at conventions, right? <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> oh, you're a geek like me. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like,
0: geeking out about the exact same kind of random stuff. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, very cool. You have any shout-outs for this week? I do, actually. Um, I, I talked about, you know, my best friend who's an amazing curator and artist, um, and I wanted to give her a shout-out. Her name's Suzanne Walsh. Um, she, uh, works, uh, she, she helps run, uh, uh salt fine art in, in, Laguna beach. Um, and she's amazing at what she does, like a total inspiration, um, in all ways, creative and everything else. Um, so shout out to Suzanne. I want to make sure you're listening to this episode. So you hear the shout out. What about you, Joe?
1: Uh, I want to give a shout out to Kelly White from the Weck podcast. Um, because when we discussed on our last episode that I was listening to, um, the 20 sided sorceress novels and I was like, I'm not sure about it. It, Ray, it was the freakiest thing. I was like getting myself ready for bed and I thought, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to listen to on my way to work tomorrow, but I think I'm done with the 20 sided sorceress and I crawl into bed and I check my phone for my messages one last time before turning it off. And there's a little Twitter message from a direct message from Kelly. And she's like, I really hope you stick with 20 sided. Like it was that, that immediate. (laughs) And she had sent it like five minutes earlier. And I'm like, get out of my head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she was like, I've read all the books. I think it's great. And I was like, you know what, Kelly, I respect your, your taste in geek culture stuff. So I will give it, I will continue. I will finish book three and maybe even try and go on to book four and see if, you know, it picks up for me. Nice. And she goes, well, now remember before you say that you like my taste, I, I do like, uh, I did enjoy, um, the suicide squad. Oh. <laughs> and so I was like, I was taking it back. but I've listened to enough WEC podcasts to know that I, when I disagree with her, I understand why we disagree. So, so I'm willing to give it a little bit. I just thought it was, it was so freaky Ray. It was like literally walked out of the bathroom and checked my messages. And it was exactly
0: what I had just finished thinking about. It's nice to have those people that we kind of like, you know, we, 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 for the most part, trust their taste. So when they say, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, I like this thing. They're like, oh, really? Okay, well, you know what? Now that means I have to check it out, you know? Um, And it's good to put caveats in there. Like, you know, I did like Suicide Squad because that's my first question. Whenever somebody wants to recommend something to me, uh, I'm that fucking snob that goes, oh, yeah, you like that? Uh, Let me ask you a question. What are your three favorite movies? (laughs) Uh because Depending on what they name, I might go, yeah, thanks, I'm going to pass. Or I might go, oh, okay, I want to check that out now. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny because if somebody doesn't know Ray, then they think that's a pretty harmless, regular, I'm interested in learning more about you question. No, you're being judged.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shh. So we'll, just let that, we'll just let that go on by.
1: <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, we've got a couple of things that we're going to plan for next week. I think we've got to, we've got to sort out of our schedule to see which ones are going to come when. So we have no idea what we're doing next week, yeah, but yeah. I do have, I do have some ideas. So, um, we will hopefully come back with something, uh, a lot of fun and, uh, and hopefully a little bit more rested than the two of us are tonight. <laughs> um, all the music in this episode is by Ben sound and is being used under creative commons license. You can find more music by Ben sound at BenSound.com geek 2 is a proud member of the geek to geek Network. Make sure to check out our other geek to geek shows just as just like geek to geek Podcast, Geek Fitness, Health Hacks, and Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. And make sure to join our Reddit community at R forward slash geek 2 you can currently find us at geek as well as on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and most other podcasters out there. Please leave us a review and spread the word. If you'd like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geek You can also follow the show on Twitter at geek or me personally at Epic Grace.
0: Ray, where can we find you? You can find me across various social media platforms uh, at username RayVargus3. So that's my name, Ray Vargas, and the number three. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, mostly Twitter nowadays. Uh, and my website. <laughs> my website is at ravearcus3.com as well if you want to check out my my artwork. Uh, but if you're if you're looking for some of the shirts I designed, you'll be able to find that uh, back in some of the old pictures on, on my Instagram feed. Awesome.
1: Very cool. All right, folks. Well, thank we apologize for the uh, the uh, barking in the background <laughs> and the, and the, the, the general tiredness of your hosts but we will uh, we will get some sleep this week and until then make sure to keep it geek bye the Red Legion took away our home Dominus Gaul has stolen our light But from the ashes, a fire team of guardians rise to. No! Guardian down. Wait, wait, wait. Who was that? <sighs> Titan, no jump good. This is Happy Hour from the Tower. I'm T. I'm Nick. I'm Brandon. And we're going to talk about all things destiny why we play, why we love punching aliens in the face, and why T's aim needs a little bit of work. Have you got that? Say you've got it. See something! A podcast for players of all levels. Find Happy Hour from the Tower on iTunes, Stitcher, or at happyhourfromthetower.com. Eyes up, Guardian. Time to give up the ghost. It's Happy Hour from the Tower. First round's on us. So how would you describe a podcast like The Shared Desk? It's a podcast that took its sweet time to do a promo. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think that goes without saying. I mean, you could say The Shared Desk is a podcast about... Collaboration, because that's what we do. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot more to the shared desk. You got our Loot Crate looky-loo. Oh, what's in the box? And then what we're doing when we're not writing. Usually it's pretty nerdy.
0: Nerd! And then there are the drop-ins.
1: Has the whole world gone
0: crazy? Yes. There
1: are drop Visit our Facebook page, TG Geeks Webcast. On Google Plus and YouTube, look for us as 2Gay Geeks. You can tweet at TG Geeks and at the 2Gay Geeks. Or call our feedback line at 469 TG Geeks, that is 469 844 3357.
0: Happy listening. Peace. Cheers.